on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 170, week 14 of the NFL in the books. Of course, we got the power rankings, MVP ladder. Possibly some things switch it up in the world of uh, of NFL awards after this past week. Um, of course, we got some other stuff too, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, we've been going over some baseball stuff since we got a couple massive moves in this past week. I know last time that we were recording, we got the Alex Verdugo trade live. Uh, we'll be going over all the moves that kind of happened since and whether the Dodgers and the Yankees are the favorites in their leagues after their, you know, blockbuster moves that they've made in this past week. We're going over the QBs that could be drafted in the first round of 2024 and where we think they might end up. And then we're going to be talking about the NBA Cup a little bit. It's something that uh, obviously ended this past week with the Lakers getting their win over the Pacers in the championship game on Saturday night. And the feeling around winning the NBA Cup is something that's pretty contentious as far as, oh, should you really give a shit about it? Is, you know, putting a banner up like the Lakers are, is that really something you should be doing? We'll go over that once we get to that in uh, the second half of the show. But in my opener, I got to talk about the crybaby Mahomes, man, and his, his finally, the refs are finally coming around to him. Uh, If you haven't seen it now at this point, go look at Twitter. It's all over everything. Uh, Kadarius Tony lines up off sides on a play that Mahomes throws to Kelsey and then laterals across the field to go ahead and uh, score what should have been the game-winning touchdown, end up getting called back because of the offsides penalty by Kadarius Tony. Mahomes flips out after the game. He's like getting mad at Josh Allen when Josh Allen has nothing to do with it. He's saying some crazy stuff on the, the press conference after the game. And it's about damn time, I would say, that Mahomes has a call that goes against him. We've seen so many calls in the last five, six years that just help the Chiefs win games. And we're kind of just used to it at this point. So to see one go against them makes me so happy. And my likeness for Patrick Mahomes went down by quite a bit in this because he just was a fucking bitch. He's a crybaby bitch. And that's might be generational, but that stuff is just so annoying. Yeah, he did come across a little immature there. That's uh, not really something you should be complaining about. I mean, just because I have experience on it. Of course, it's happened many times, but the Jets lost the game to Kansas City in a similar fashion, and they told us, don't complain. So we did it, and we moved on, and we never made those same mistakes. Um, So come on, guys. Come on. But speaking of the Jets, uh, my opener is going to be big 30-6 to win for the Jets against Houston. You know, Houston had a lot of receivers out. C.J. Stroud ended up getting knocked out of this game. But those guys don't play DB. You know, very impressive game from Zach Wilson, at least in the second half. And, you know, you don't get drafted number two overall if you don't have any talent. So it's just it's good to see a little bit of that before he eventually gets shipped out of here. Um, And, you know, technically alive, but that's not what I'm worried about. You know, just keep keep progressing the young dudes and we'll be back next year, man. Now, what pick do you guys have right now? Six or seven? Seven. Seven. You guys got go. seven. We got six. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty interesting scenario there. Mm-hmm. That ends up being how it goes. But we'll move on from the opener and we'll get into our normal AFC top five, NFC top five, and MVP top five. Should be fun one in the MVP. I got an interesting candidate in there yeah. for you. But uh any team outside the top five in the AFC that you want to give a shout out to? Uh, well, shout out Jacksonville because they have a lot of wins, man. And it just seemed like they've been a little off recently, probably because of injuries. And Denver, too. Pretty big win streak. Um, they're not out of it. Yeah. I guess I'll give a shout out to the Jags. Rough game in Cleveland this past week, losing to Joe Flacco and co. But Trevor Lawrence did seem like he was hurt. Uh, so I'm not going to put too much stock in that, but they are not in my top five. And then I also dropped the Houston Texans outside of my top five because it's rough when there's no CJ Stroud. And we're seeing the lines represent that this week in the way that they, I believe are six point dogs or they're like, I think it's four or five point dogs against yeah. Tennessee. And that's something that probably shouldn't happen. So that's the line makers think CJ Stroud's going to be out this week. That's for sure. 
anyways, we'll get into number five. Skyler, who do you have at Cinco? I got Miami dropping down two spots here. They're still nine and four, but the O-line's horrendous. Two was running for his life, uh, especially next week against the Jets again. You have a backup center, Eichenberg. I don't think he even played center at Notre Dame. So um, Quentin Williams should be feasting. They definitely need Tyreek healthy. Yeah, I uh, I want Buffalo at the five spot. Good win against Kansas City. Again, kind of too late in the way that they're not going to most likely get the division and they're really going to have to probably win out in order to get into the playoffs with seeds six through 11 in the AFC all being at seven and six right now. So they're in a tough spot, but they look good. They are probably playing some of their best football in the season these past two games, even though they lost to the Eagles a couple weeks ago. I like what the Bills are doing and uh, they're at the five spot for me. Number four. Number four, I got the Browns, eight and five, moving up three spots from the honorable mentions last week. That's why I do a couple, because I want to keep track of who's moving up. Uh, but anyways, they've, they've pretty much beaten every team on the bubble that they faced this year. Flacco looks pretty good for what he's been asked to do. And if they can keep running the ball, they should be playing a playoff game. Yeah. I also have the Browns at the four spot and with their schedule for the rest of the season, Bears, Texans, Jets, Bengals, they should be able to get into one of the seven spots in the AFC. Probably not the division with how good Baltimore's been, but that's completely okay. Joe Flacco probably gives them the best chance to do anything because he's not afraid to sling it and he actually looks pretty damn good when he's throwing the ball. Only bad thing is Jedrick Wills out for the season now at this point forget what bone he broke, but he, he had an air cast coming off mm. the field. So that's a rough one there. Obviously one of the better players on that Brown squad. He's out for the season. And uh, I don't know. We got to win. That's what yeah. matters. So that's a fourth spot for me. Number three. Hey, just speaking of uh, that, that injury to Jedrick Wills, how cursed have these first round tackles been? In the draft, it seems like other than Penny Sewell, the one guy we were like, "Come on, this is the guy you got to take." He's been the only solid one, not injured. Uh, but Did anyways, you just jinx Penny Sewell into getting hurt next week. No, impossible. Okay, okay, but no, no, I love Penny Sewell. Uh, but number three, a team I don't love necessarily. I have the Buffalo Bills up five spots, and I'm going to try to sound not crazy here, but. It's probably the best seven and six team of all time, considering who the six losses were to. Kansas City could not stop James Cook last week. It's part of the formula. They had the most time of possession. I'll be talking about that a lot today. That seems like why all these elite quarterbacks lost last week. It wasn't really up to them. They didn't have the ball. So these teams got to get their shit together. Buffalo has been ever since firing Ken, Gor- Ken Dorsey. Excuse me. My number three team is still going to be Miami. They don't move down any spots for me. I give them a hiccup. I They've had three straight good games with the Raiders, Jets, and Commanders before their three-minute collapse against the Titans. And I know it's super unfortunate. It's something that cannot happen. But this Miami Dolphins team is still pretty damn good. They did lose their center to a torn ACL yesterday. Might be without Tyreek. And it looks like they avoided injury with Xavier Howard, Raheem Mostert, and a couple other guys that got banged up in the game, which is good. But I still think this Dolphins team is solid. As far as personnel goes, they're one of the deeper teams in the entire league. And they're fortunate in the way that they're 9-4 and four right now. They have a lot of tough games to end out the season. I think they probably should be fine against you guys. Uh, but then they have three really tough games, the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. So we'll we'll really get a good test to see if this Dolphins team is that number three team or their number seven team come you know mid-January when they're probably in the playoffs. Number two. Yeah, still got Kansas City here. Same as you, I'm sure. Eight and five. Um, I, I think I'm going to chalk this one up as uh, they refuse to run the ball. That's why they lost. And their last four games of the year are very winnable. So uh, I'm keeping them here. Yeah. Uh, For the first time this year, I moved Kansas City below the one spot and into the two spot. It's completely warranted here, too, as well. I don't think there's any case for, you know, oh, you got to put the Chiefs first because they got Mahomes and all that stuff. They've been so bad over these last four weeks. Three out of these last four games that they've lost, the ones with the Packers and the Bills are just two games that you – 
shouldn't be losing in this season, especially when you're at home against the Bills. If they lose any of the next four games, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers, I'll be shocked. They should be completely fine in those games. But if they do, that's when you really got to start panicking because maybe the Chiefs just they don't, don't have, have it, it anymore. <laughs> but the defense hasn't been playing as well, but their offense really hasn't been picking up the slack as well either. So Kansas City at the two spot, which means the number one team in the AFC is Baltimore Ravens at the top spot, man. Ten and three, big overtime win against uh, the Rams here. Um, they got big games here coming up for the one seat. Miami um, at San Francisco too, I believe. So it's uh, the ball's in their hands right here. You know they kind of rebuilt the defense the way Philly has been trying to, and have done it a little better. So good for Baltimore, man. They they have it right there in front of them. Yeah. Baltimore's the number one spot for me. Three straight wins. They got a win coming off the bye. So three straight wins since that rough loss against the Browns a, a few weeks ago. Winners of their last I think seven out of eight. So they're they're playing really damn good ball right now. Do have a tough stretch though. Jags this week. I think that's on Sunday night football, which is pretty cool. Sunday night football in Jacksonville is not something that we get too often. And then we have them going into San Francisco on Christmas night. Let, let me give a quick shout out to the schedule makers for actually yeah. getting one right. Cause that's going to be one hell of a game. Knowing how the NFL goes, Lamar's going to be hurt. Purdy's going to be hurt. CMC is going to be hurt. Odell's going to be here. Hurt. All these dudes are going to be out and by that game, but hopefully we actually get a good game on Christmas. Uh, but the Ravens, they look really damn good right now. One of the more fun games to watch this entire season last week against the Rams, and they pull it out in overtime. Winning games that they don't look the best in is something that I, I look for when you're trying to really weave out the good teams from the great teams, and I think Baltimore sticks out as a great team to me right now, and they're they're playing some of the best ball that they've had all season without probably the best offensive weapon besides Lamar Jackson on their team not yeah. playing, and that's Mark Andrews. On to the National Football Conference, Skyler. Any six, seven, or eights? Uh, we'll shout out the Giants. Winners of three in a row. Danny DeVito's got something going. And Danny they are DeVito. Right I there. <laughs> right there, man. How about his agent, too? That was pretty funny. That was pretty damn cool, man. Uh, I guess I'll say the Giants for the hell of it. On to number five. All right. So uh, I still got the Rams here at six and six. It's a, a tough loss in Baltimore over time, but everybody else lost two in the NFC. So they can stay put. Stafford, Cup, Kyron Williams, Puka, they all look great. No regressing. It's for real. Um, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I got the Rams at five as well, too. They're still in a decent spot, even despite the loss on Sunday, because the Packers lost, the Seahawks lost, the Falcons lost. And this, well, the Saints won, but they were a game behind anyways. So they're still in a good spot there for the playoff wise. They just got to, you know, play better ball than pretty much everybody else that's in that six and seven spot, which they should do because they got the Commanders, Saints, and Giants their next three games. And those all three should be winnable before going into the Niners game in week 18. I still like the Rams, though. Uh, I'm not discrediting them too much for that loss in Baltimore. We knew that was going to be a tough game. That's really a, you know, if they if they win this game, maybe they should be in the four spot. But yeah. if they lose this game and they lose the way that they did, there's no way that they're going down. I think they played amazing. They just had a tough matchup against one of the best teams in all the NFL. Four spot. We got the Detroit Lions sticking at the four spot. Like you said, if uh, the Rams win, Detroit had lost another in a, a prior week, we're having a different conversation, but there's no need. They have nine wins. Uh, golf just doesn't look great right now. And when you have two elite running backs, you can't stop running the ball. This is what I'm talking about, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. The Detroit Lions, my fourth spot as well, too. They have never played good against the Bears, especially since Justin Fields got there a couple years ago. He has their number. And I know they won in Detroit you know, a couple weeks ago, but it was a game that they had to come back in and they had that pretty much exact same situation against the bears this past weekend. And they just couldn't come back. 
So they're lucky that Justin Fields isn't playing in the playoffs. They're lucky that they're not going to be seeing him again later on this season. I think the Lions will be fine. They should be able to get 11 or 12 wins, depending on how they play against the Vikings in two of their last four games of the season. But due to the weak conference in the NFC, you have to put the Lions at four, in my opinion. Number three. I am dropping the Eagles down again here to the three spot. Ten and three. Last week I said they can't shut down after the San Francisco game. They need to use it as motivation. And guess what? They quit. Defense completely quit in that one. Uh, another rough outing for Jalen Hurts. They don't have it. But again, it's it's you know 10-win team at this point in the season. They have a lot of time to get back on track. They're just not on it right now. That's why Dallas is ahead of them. Yeah. I got Philly in my three spot as well, too. If they lose to Seattle on Monday, that's when I'm really going to get concerned. I know they kind of punted away the division, or at least they punted away the control your own destiny part mm-hmm. of the division, which is unfortunate, but they're still going to make the playoffs. I think this team should be fine. And if you play, you know, the Bucks in round one or the Falcons in round one, you're going to be fine as well, too. So, Eagles in the three spot. They do move move down one spot, though. Number two. Dallas Cowboys might actually uh, be a, a more well-rounded team than Philly uh, after watching them more of these past couple weeks, trying to figure out if they are legit. Uh, Dak's playing lights out, of course. It doesn't really feel like the same old Cowboys. Uh, it feels like, you know, they're, they're finally letting Dak take the reins, maybe even calling his own shots again we we don't know for sure yet but uh we'll definitely be getting more into Dak conversation in a couple minutes here yeah no Dak and the Cowboys they look amazing right now this is five straight wins for them and in those games they've at least put up 33 points in all five of them so they are absolutely rolling right now Dak is playing like he should be in the conversation for an award, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But the Dallas Cowboys, this might be better. This might be a better Cowboys team than what we saw in 2016 with, with Dak's rookie year and Zeke too. And I know that offensive line was like Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, but this Cowboys team is legit. Number one. Number one, I got the 49ers, of course. Uh, got the job done against Drew Locke. This is their spot to lose. Week 18 against the Rams is probably going to determine the one seed here. So, again, they, they got that one right. I'm glad uh, they didn't give them the Cardinals week 18. Um, or, you know, whatever random NFC team that they could have put in that last spot, uh, unless they changed the rule for that. I don't remember exactly. Anyways, no. I'm just ranting because, uh, you know, there's nothing – else need to be said about the Niners well oiled machine this year yeah I agree they had those three straight losses earlier in the season but since then they've been rock solid good win against the Seahawks wasn't pretty but it doesn't have to be pretty when you got Brock Purdy so they're doing good they got a game on Christmas against the Ravens which I again <laughs> I'm looking forward to and then that Rams game but besides that, they should be fine, and they most likely will be having a bye in week 19 of the season. Oh, yeah. Suck MVP top five, Skyler. This is a fun one. Yeah. Anybody in the sixth spot or any honorable mentions you want to talk about? Yeah, we got a couple here. TJ Watts dealing with the concussion. I uh, hope he gets back on this list soon. And shout out to Moster, too. He's about to break um, Ricky Williams' Miami touchdown record. So that's pretty cool. You know, I definitely didn't think this was going to happen. Yeah. I do not have any honorable mentions, but I'll get right into my five spot. I went with two guys. The first of which is going to be Brock Purdy. I think with some of the other performances from MVP candidates like Mahomes, uh, Jalen Hurts, and a couple other guys, I think Brock Purdy definitely deserves to be on this list with CMC. And I know we've been on the train of, the CMC for MVP over Brock Purdy. And I agree with that, but I think with some of the other candidates not playing too well, Brock Purdy slides into this list, but I have another cowboy on this list and it's not who you think it is. It's Brandon Aubrey. Cause this guy doesn't miss Skyler. He's 30 for 30 on field goals to start his career. And when you get on your side of the 50 or on the opponent's side of the 50, 
you have three points in the back of your pocket. That's crazy. He was drilling 60 yarders like they were PATs last night or two nights ago, whatever mm-hmm. night it was. This guy's amazing, man. And now that I say that, he's probably going to miss three kicks next week, but Brian Aubrey, five spot for the MVP, man. Yeah. A 59 and a 60 yarder back to back is pretty insane for sure. But I uh, didn't go with him at the five spot. I'm sorry. Kyle went with uh, another quarterback here. Like you said, we had some spots open up. So Lamar Jackson's going to get one for me. I've been pretty high on him all year. He's yet to disappoint me. Highest completion percentage of his career so far. He doesn't turn the ball over. feels like he's getting closer and closer to that MVP Lamar we all remember from a couple years ago. Each game that passes. Yeah. I got the special teams. Now I'm going defense. TJ Watt gets my four spot. 14 sacks, seven pass deflections, three forced fumbles, a touchdown, a pick. Does it all, man. The Steelers are falling off, so I assume TJ Watt will most likely fall off this list as well, too. But if they find a way to the playoffs with how atrocious and dysfunctional that offense is, even with Matt Canada gone, he's got to be somewhere in the conversation. So TJ Watt at the four spot. All right. I have Brock Purdy here. Very similar numbers to Dak this season. He's been awesome. And and I think it's ignorant to say that he hasn't been awesome just because he's not the number one most important guy. So I'm glad you had him on the list too. Um, it, you know, number one in QBR. It's, it, it's okay that he's not CMC. It's okay because he still has the most yards per attempt in the NFL while also being the number one most efficient. So he's my number four. Number three for me, I'm going offense finally, and Tyree Kill is the three guy for me. With the injury, it's going to be pretty damn hard for him to win MVP. And I know it's to the point where he might even play this week, but man, it's just so tough to to see a guy get hurt when he is having one of the greatest seasons that we've ever seen at mm-hmm. his position. So. Unfortunately, probably Tyreek will not be in the number one spot come the end of the season, but it's a good run. You know, we don't really see a lot of wide receivers stay that high up in our power rankings for that long. Yeah. yeah. I do have McCaffrey here at the three spot, though. Uh, great game against Seattle. Nine yards per touch, 150 total yards. Started off the game with a bang, 72-yard run to set the tone. Um, I, I guess this is more of a two-way, two-B for me than a three, really. Um, and we'll get more into that in a second here. Yeah, that's fair. I, I kind of agree with that. I was I was struggling on where to put two and three. My yeah. two-spot is CMC. Great game. No touchdown. Niners win. Kind of talked about with Purdy. Talked about with the Niners already, so I won't go too far. CMC's been amazing this entire year, and he's the best player in their offense, unless you want to count Trent Williams. Yeah. Yeah, so Tyreek Hill, yeah, four for 61 after the injury uh, came, he left, he came again, he left again. And there's another player who's more important to his position and who now has a couple of those signature moments that Tyreek and McCaffrey don't really have this season. Uh, I think at the end of the day, those two are going to battle it out for the offensive player of the year and they're going to be completely fine with it. But they they just they don't have the moment. Number one, Dak Prescott, yeah. and he is by a good distance my favorite now at this point. He has, in the sense of most valuable player, he has been the most valuable player in the league by quite a large margin. Especially you know over these last eight to nine games, I'll go back to the Chargers game. In mid-October, when the entire run started, 21 for 30, 272, and a touchdown in that game. The next game against the Rams, 23-point victory, 25 for 31, four touchdowns, 304 yards, and an interception. Next week, the loss against the Eagles. Oh, he had to play shitty, right? There's no way he played good in the loss. So it's like 374 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Next week, how does he bounce back from the loss? A 32-point victory with 404 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Next week, playing the worst team in the league, doesn't matter. 189, two touchdowns. It's a mid-game, but who cares? Next week... 
divisional opponent, Thanksgiving against the Commanders, 35-point victory, 331 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Next week against Seattle, Thursday night football, so a kind of a short week. They also had a short week against the Commanders. Doesn't matter. 299 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And then Sunday night football against the Eagles on two days ago. And he just plays amazing again. 271, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Zach is in the best stretch of his career right now, and I've never seen him be more confident throwing the football. And it's good to see because he's a guy who gets a lot of unwarranted hate. Very well said, Kyle. You know, another game, multiple touchdowns, no turnovers, big win against Philly. And, um, you know, I did pick Dallas, but there's there's always that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind whenever you pick Dallas. Like, you know, they could they could cowboy this game up. They could show up completely unprepared. But that's not what's happening this year. It's that 28 touchdowns to six interceptions, really efficient. Only Purdy's been more efficient. 3,500 yards. I think we can all agree that Dak has more say in what's going on in the offense than a Purdy does. It's very comparable numbers to when Carson Wentz got hurt around this time in 2017, and he would have won it. So I think that's enough for me. I have that historical comparison in the same era where I, you can you can justify the award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that reasoning as well. So Dak's our MVP through okay. however many weeks we are in the season. We'll move on to a bit of baseball, though, before we get back to football. Two of the biggest moves that we've seen in the MLB over these last five days. And I mean, the Shohei deal is probably the biggest thing that we've seen in baseball. Man. Yeah. I I don't know. I was going to say Jackie Robinson going into the league. Like that's some crazy shit. But Shohei Otani got, and I'm not saying that was more important. I don't think there's been as big as a national news thing since that shit happened with Jackie Robinson a long time ago and he integrated into the league. But are the Dodgers the favorite in the NL? And if not, who's so, Skyler? It's definitely fair to say they're the best team in the National League right now. The deferred contract uh, is going to give them so many opportunities, not only to sign other guys, but this way they won't be losing their draft picks, being over the tax, um, they could talk with whoever they want. They can make trades freely. It's it's pretty crazy. I, I don't even want to name a different team right now because I, I'm pretty much in on on the Dodgers right now. There's the meme going around of the you know the Rockies five starter shutting them down and in the wild card or whatever. But uh, you know for, for now we don't need to focus on that. We can focus on how nasty this lineup's going to be. Yeah, the Dodgers got to be the favorite man. They are going to be. Likely getting at least one of Yamamoto and Josh Hader. I know they're in on both of them right now. They're likely going to get some other guys as well, too, to help round out the weak spots on the team. But they have a one, two, three in their lineup that consists of three MVPs. I, I wouldn't call them three generational players, but three ridiculously good players and at least one crazy generational player in Shohei Otani. So I got to go with the Dodgers over the Braves right now. And I really think that's probably their only legitimate competition in the favorites. I mean, I guess you could say Philly if you really want to, or uh, Arizona got in it last year. So I guess you got to give them a shout out, but it just seems like the Dodgers are light years ahead of everybody else. Now with, with adding a 10 war player to their team that just won a hundred games last season. Are you upset about it? Cause I, I said a lot of people were upset. I wasn't. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Damn. Yeah, it's it's something that I've known for so long, too. Like, ever since we knew Shohei Otani was going to be a free agent, yeah. it was the Dodgers. It was always going to be the Dodgers. And I know there was Plain Gate where maybe he was flying to Toronto and maybe, you say, Kikuchi rented out 50, you know, had a reservation for 50 yeah. at a Japanese restaurant in the city. But it was always going to be the Dodgers. And... I don't think I ever would have been mad about that. I know a lot of people in the Bay Area are because they're Giants fans, but yeah, Giants got their own international superstar <laughs> today, man. And Jung Hoo Lee, shout the out next to that Shinsu six Chu. year, hundred and thirteen year contract, not hundred thirteen year, hundred thirteen million dollar contract. Uh, but yeah, Dodgers are the favorites. 
Move, we'll move on to the AL, though. The Yankees made their big move. The Evil Empire added one of the best hitters in all baseball, Juan Soto. Does this make them the favorites in the league? I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, and they had probably one of the worst years that they've had in a long time, going 80 and 82. And I mentioned this when we were going over our team grades and biggest takeaways in the offseason a couple weeks ago. I was saying it's a great offseason to show that you are the New York Yankees and really represent your power in, in the yeah. baseball world. And that's exactly what they did with the with Juan Soto. And I know they're in on a ton of bit other free agents right now, too. Do you think the Yankees are the favorites in the league? If not, who so? I don't think you can put them at the top quite yet. I, I think the Soto thing is a great fit. He should do well there. He, you know, has talked about extensions already. So that means he's probably all good with the Steinbrenner team rules and all that BS they got to deal with. But the biggest problem last year was the pitching. That's something Texas, Houston, Baltimore isn't worrying about as much. Those teams have all of their players returning. I would probably have those three at the top. And Tampa Bay is going through a, some weird stuff right now, too. So uh, I, I didn't include them, but they're. They're going to find a way. They always do. Yeah. The Yankees are not. I think there's going to be a lot of fun team or fun moments with that team this year. And, you know, the upcoming years if Juan Soto decides to sign an extension in the Bronx. He's going to hit some crazy home runs. He's going to have some crazy moments there where the evil empire just rises out of their seats and destroys the other team from existence. But they're not better than the Rangers. And they're not better than the Baltimore Orioles. And that's as simple as it is right now in the way that Baltimore is getting a shit ton better by just aging. Because they're all super young. They're getting one of the best gener- hitting prospects that we've seen in a long time. And Jackson Holiday probably going to be up this next year. So I would love to see him spend a little bit more money in the pitching rotation yeah. and, and in the back end of the bullpen. I know they got Craig Kimbrell, but adding some other guys with Felix Bautista probably going to be out for the entire season next year. But I still think they're better than the Yankees. And then the Rangers, they just won the fucking World Series, man. They're getting all these guys back. They have Evan Carter, who looks like he could be the next version of Mike Trout in my eyes. They have a great farm system still. They have money to spend. They literally just won it all. So I put the Yankees at the three spot right now. All right. Next up is a segment that Skyler's going to love. I know he's been looking forward to this ever, ever since we put it on the spreadsheet yesterday. We're talking first round QBs in the 2024 draft and where you think they're going to go. I guess I worded that wrong. What teams will draft a quarterback in the first round and then who do you think they're going to draft? So it's essentially the same thing, but worded backwards. We know there's probably going to be at least Four would probably be the safe number to pick. We probably know the order, but we just don't know where they're going to go, Skyler. Mm-hmm. Where does the number one pick, Caleb Williams, end up? All right. So I, I'm trying to do this based off of, you know, making a prediction right now. So right now I have New England with Caleb Williams. I, I can't justify Chicago trading away Justin Fields right now. He's been too good for that. Um, I think they actually have something going. You know, you've seen them beat a pretty good Detroit team now. And um, for New England, uh, they're going to be extremely happy, <laughs> of course. Um, whether they end up with one or two, I have it as number two right now. Uh, maybe even a, a trade up to one. They're going to be so happy have Caleb Williams. Yeah. I I think New England honestly gets them as well, too. It's, it's a spot where I, I think Justin Fields, if you trade him away, you're asking for something to be fucked up with Caleb Williams. Yeah. And uh, even though you reset the, you know, five-year window to really win and you're going to get a quarterback that we are already much, pretty much know is going to be good in Caleb Williams, Justin Fields has been too good to just, you know, completely forget about right now. So I think it's an easier trade to do where the Bears move up or move down one spot, mm-hmm. pa- Patriots move up one spot, and grab Caleb Williams. And that opens up the ability to just take Marvin Harrison Jr. at two anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Who's the next quarterback you think that gets taken, Skyler, and where do you think they go? So I have the Falcons trading up 
here to the five spots, jumping the Raiders for Drake May. Um, I, I think in reality, it's probably pick number two or three or four, but Chicago was just really quick, you know, simulated trade to do because, you know, they're always looking to trade down. But it's it's not about the trades for me. I uh, Drake May is going to start slipping, and the NFL is not going to allow that to happen because he's too good. Someone's going to come up and get him, and the Raiders are going to be completely fine with it. I had the Raiders taking Drake May as the next quarterback off the board. I think they are in a situation where we are in a situation where it's okay. You get Daniels or you get Drake May. I think both of those guys will turn into a success. Obviously, there's going to be guys internally who have a higher rating on guys. And I think with how, you know, last three weeks have trended, there's a, probably a decent chance that Antonio Pierce doesn't stick around and that mm-hmm. kind of loses more of the Jaden Daniels camp. And if you had a you know young offensive coordinator as your head coach, I think there's probably a higher incentive to go ahead and move up in the draft order and go ahead and get your guy. I still love Jane Daniels. I think he's going to be great in the NFL, but I think Drake May might be the guy for the Raiders. Maybe they trade up. Maybe they get him at you know mm-hmm. six at the latest, but it's going to be Daniels or, or May as a Raider this next year. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at the uh, at the sixth spot here, the next pick, it's the Raiders for me. Uh, I, I didn't mean to, you know, hurt your feelings by jumping you here. I just felt like the Falcons are a team that if they, you know, don't end up winning the division, they're going to be down here. Uh, they have nothing to lose. Coach might get fired, so go grab your guy. The Raiders, though, Jaden Daniels, the guy we've been talking about every week on here, Heisman winner. Uh, he's the playmaker Mark Davis has been looking for, and – you know, there's a chance, honestly, they they could take him even if Drake May was available, even though that's probably not the right thing to do. It's just kind of what happens some years, you know, and this is uh, an odd year for quarterbacks. But Jaden Daniels should go in the first round, probably yeah. top 10. Yeah, I agree. My next move that I have happening is going to be with the New Orleans Saints. And with the bad play that we've seen from Derek Carr this year and, you know, James Winston not being on the field, I think there's a good chance that they go ahead and trade up or maybe even stick with what they are, depending on how the end of the season and go ahead and take Jaden Daniels. That keeps an LSU guy in Louisiana, keeps the story going, and it gives an immediate playmaker to a team and a fan base that already loves the guy. All right. For the late first round picks, I skipped over teams who have recently drafted a guy in the second, third, fourth round. Uh, so my next team is going to be the Bucks at 20, J.J. McCarthy. It's not Baker's fault necessarily. Uh, McCarthy could even sit behind him for a year, but a rebuild's coming to Tampa Bay, whether they like it or not, over these next couple of years. So I have him going with the younger guy here. He's a couple of years younger than these other guys, which is a, a pretty big deal. And although I don't have McCarthy ranked that high, the the rumors are because he's so young, because he comes from a pro style offense, that he's going to end up going in the first round. Yeah. The next quarterback that I have off my board is going to Seattle. I think, regardless of if they you know go ahead and keep Geno next year, they're going to start to look to the next guy to be the quarterback that can win them the Super Bowl. Because they're behind the Niners by quite a bit, and they're behind a few teams at NFC, like the Eagles and, and Cowboys quite a bit. But they have the talent on both sides of the ball that can really develop into a legitimate contender. So they kind of want to reset the QB money, and they do that with Michael Penix Jr., a gunslinger that's had a ton of wide receivers at his time in Washington. He stays in the state. And he has three immediate wide receivers, probably two. I think Lockett probably ends up leaving in the offseason. But you have DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and, and Jigba to just go ahead and fling the ball to. And That'd be cool. I think that works out perfectly. And it's probably the best, one of the best scenarios for Michael Penix Jr. to land in, in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, do you have another quarterback? I do. Uh, and it's a very similar story here. I got Michael Penix going to a system that would be perfect for him. I have the Rams trading up to 32 with Baltimore. And they're going to take Michael Penix. Uh, the Rams don't care about draft picks. Uh, they went through some horrible backup quarterback play this year, like unexcusable activity. Brett Rippon, even a guy from Foothill, almost had an opportunity one time. 
And uh, we don't even need to get to who's after them, you know, some college football heroes. But the, the point is here, if the Rams want to be great again with this regime, they have to avoid this from happening because Stafford gets hurt. That's what happens. The system works with guys who aren't very quick. Michael Panic's coming off of a couple injuries himself. Um, just get a backup in the building. Yeah, there, there's a few different options here for this last spot. You can either go no, you can go yes, the guy gets taken, or there's just like this weird scenario that happens. But I think the Bucks are most likely the next team to take a quarterback, whether they win the division or they don't. They'll they'll take a quarterback at some point in this first round, and I think that ends up it's it's either going to be JJ McCarthy or Bo Nix. Yeah. And with Mike Evans leaving in the offseason, I think they go for the more riskier pick in JJ McCarthy. I think Bo Nix, you have a bit more of you know confidence in the at least this guy's going to be you know okay quarterback in the NFL. JJ McCarthy, we don't really know too much, but since he's been around so many, you yeah. know. He's been around Harbaugh and he's seen a lot of stuff in his years in in Michigan. It's a riskier pick, and I think that's exactly what Tampa Bay would need to do to, you know, realistically compete for anything. Does it work out with JJ McCarthy? Nope. Probably not, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's probably the pick that they would make. There we go. Do you have a sixth quarterback going? Because I know you did take uh Penix at 32, which signifies that nobody else is gonna be taken. No, I don't. But of course, uh, Bo Nix is going to be, you know, in the shadows looking for for that first round money. I don't think he gets it, though. Yeah, I don't think Bo Nix gets in the first round. I think he ends up going to probably like the Rams or oof, the Vikings could be another team as well that, that's in, in play for him. But besides that, I mean, I think a lot of the QB situations are pretty much figured out in the NFL, yeah. especially with like the good play of Jordan Love recently, the contract of Daniel Jones makes it a bit unfortunate for the Giants. Well, we heard just two, three weeks ago, we were talking about the Giants taking Caleb Williams number one. Yeah. Everything's changed, and I'm sure a lot of the stuff will change as well, too. As far as being a Raider fan goes, I really just hope that we get one of the top three guys. I would be okay with Penix, but... Williams is pretty unrealistic, but May or Daniels, please, please, man. I just want one of them so bad because mm-hmm. we haven't taken a quarterback early since Jamarcus Russell. And uh, we know how that played out. Yeah. Well, time time for vengeance by taking another LSU Q- QB. But in this scenario, I have him going with the UNC <laughs> guy. Forgot Anyways, do you have any final points on that note, Skyler? Should we move to the NBA Cup? Um, uh, I, I just didn't give any to like a Detroit who could be in the market for one. Cause they took Kenan hooker in the second round. Um, even the saints, Jake Hayner, he's suspended, but, uh, they took him on day two. You know, that's a guy they're going to at least try out first, I think before drafting the guy in the first round. Yeah, I, I think there is a chance of that, but I think with how deep the quarterback class is right now, it's pretty tough to skip on a guy if you have the chance to go ahead and get him. And I think this is one of the draft classes that you can get a franchise quarterback and not give up a crazy amount of draft capital if you are trading up for a spot, which the Saints might have to do, depending on the record. All right. Regardless, we're talking NBA Cups, Skyler. How much stock should we put into this Lakers victory? They're raising a banner for it. I saw a clip of uh, Kobe talking from obviously a clip a long time ago, probably 15, 10 to 15 years ago. And he's talking about, Oh, the Lakers don't, you know, hang conference championship banners. We don't hang division championship banners. We only hang titles. Does this go against his word, Skylar? What do you think about this? And should we really be, you know, saying, Oh, the Lakers won the NBA cup. And that's why we should be worried about them. Or is this just something that they just got hot in the beginning of December? Well, first off, I agree with Kobe 100% here. Um, This is kind of embarrassing if you really think hard about it. But I think this is just the league trying to promote it. Uh, It's something that won't stay up forever. But here's what I have for you. I I think they do deserve some credit here. It's not the playoffs, but they had this 10-game run or, or however many it was where all the older guys stayed healthy. 
All the divas came together. All the role players played well. Cam Reddish, Austin Reeves, guys who have been getting hate all season long, balled out for these 10 games. So go celebrate. Maybe you can build off of it. It's not nothing. I just think the banner's a little embarrassing. But, you know, I'm not taking away from on the court. Yeah. I I think it's a good symbol of, symbol of oh, maybe this team can compete in the playoffs and once shit gets going, you can kind of see how, you know, playoff rotation will be managed better. And you get that like added experience in the way that you have these high intensity games of those rotations and these big moments on how to really manage your players and go through that. So I think it it helps the Lakers more out than what you would think. But as far as impact to the rest of the NBA, I think the most stock that that changes is the Indiana Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton and how they might be a legitimate force in the Eastern Conference. I know we've talked about the Celtics and the Bucks and the Sixers as the main three teams. The Magic have been damn good this year. That's how Orlando started. Right spot right now, too. So I think it speaks magnitude to the Pacers. I've said this for a long time that. Tyrese Halliburton is going to be good enough to the point where he's going to get another start in Indiana. And I think he showed on the national stage, obviously every NBA player already knows how damn good this guy is, but he really put his name on the map over this past, you know, two, three weeks and his play and, and how damn good he's been for the Indiana Pacers. So going back to the yeah. banner though, don't fucking put up a banner. It's stupid. And, and like you said, I think maybe it's the NBA kind of be like, hey, do this, you know, go ahead, promote it, you know, be mm-hmm. happy about it, all this stuff. It's good for the rookies. And of course, $500,000 means a lot to, you know, really anybody in the league. But is $500,000 really going to do anything for LeBron James' bank account? Is it really going to do anything for Anthony Davis' bank account? Does that change your lifestyle at all? Donated it to fucking charity, you piece of shit. No. But uh, LeBron was gambling the money, dude. Did you see that clip? No. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a guy. that he, It's in the Las Vegas casinos. I think it was yesterday or Sunday maybe. And this guy walks up to LeBron at like a blackjack table. He's like, LeBron, LeBron. And some guy from the Lakers like, Shuts him off. He's like, yo, you got to delete that video, man. Like, tell him all this stuff, which is pretty funny. But they're thinking LeBron just gambled all the money away. So people think MJ had was a gambling addict and hold that against him. Yeah, okay. We'll see how it goes. Maybe they really but, are the goats. Yeah. That's going to do it for NBA Cup Talk. Let's end to the second half for Skyler's talking Heisman, Transfer Portal, and some bowl yeah. games. Oh, yeah. I got you covered here. Uh, we'll start off with the Heisman winner, Jade Daniels, talking about him every single week. And uh, here we go. Wins the Heisman Trophy. Um, 50 total touchdowns to four interceptions. It's pretty crazy um, for anybody. I just have a hard time with, you know, eight of those coming against Georgia State. A couple more coming against. Um, I don't even remember the team from early on that they slaughtered. But anyways, um, I I get why they gave it to him. Lamar Jackson had basically the same numbers and won it at nine and three. So there you go. Um, It's weird seeing all these fifth and sixth year guys, though, for sure. I mean, at the top, because that's not how it used to be. Used to be all the sophomores and juniors. It's COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I don't have, um, you know, all the standings, but we know it was. It was Penix and then Bo Nix and then Marvin Harrison. And mm-hmm. even J.J. McCarthy was uh, getting getting the vote there, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. ridiculous. But congrats to uh, to our guy, Jaden Daniels. Uh, it seems like he played well enough in the second half of the season that he's going to go in the first round. Could even go to your Raiders and we'll keep the trend going. You know, don't need any more, uh, any more guys going to play baseball. <laughs> where guys um like Johnny Manziel. So yeah, there we go. There's my Heisman talk. Um transfer portal has been heating up though. I wanted to talk about a couple quarterbacks because it's not something we've really been talking a lot about so far this season. So I'll just go through some guys where they're they're projected to go. Um the number one quarterback in the class, 
bit of a shocker for most people. It's Aiden Childs. He's a backup quarterback at Oregon State. He's following Jonathan Smith to Michigan State, the former head coach. Uh, it's 100% on the crystal ball. He just hasn't signed yet. So that's what we're expecting. Uh, the next guy, Dante Moore, five-star freshman from UCLA, sitting in the portal, uh, looking like Michigan so far. So shout out to Alex. We got Cam Ward from Washington State. Um, they're not in the conference anymore, so it makes sense that he would go out. He's got that extra sixth year of eligibility now with COVID. Uh, and Ohio State's been a rumor, but we don't really know what's going on with him. Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback, leaving for Notre Dame. We found out today, uh, it seems like Duke and Wake Forest have just been like the farm system for Notre Dame these past couple of years, even Northwestern too. A lot of those uh, good defensive players wind their way over to South Bend. Uh, so shout out to Riley Leonard. He's got uh, the NFL on his mind and uh, a better system to work through here. Uh, Brock Vandegrift, if you remember him, former five-star uh, Georgia backup. He's going to the Kentucky Wildcats for some playing time. So we'll keep an eye on him. We know those SEC guys come out of nowhere all the time. Uh, Daquan Finn, uh, funny one, Juco transfer from Toledo, had an awesome year. He'll go somewhere important. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, we already found out. He's the big lefty from Oklahoma. He's going to Oregon. A pretty good fit for him. I mean, Bo Nix. The southpaw from Oklahoma. Absolutely. Bo Nix put up, you know, average numbers at Auburn those last three years there and just completely turned it around at Oregon. I, I like this for Dylan Gabriel. Another guy who could be on NFL watch. Um, oh, we got a couple more guys who are notable. <laughs> I don't mean to be rambling here, but. Kyle McCord, formerly at Ohio State, Ryan Day tells him it's not his job anymore. He's looking like going to Nebraska now. He's 100% on the predictor portal. We got Will Rogers, big slinger from Mississippi State, looking like he's going to take over for Penix over there. Good, uh, good scheme over there. Another air raid guy going to Washington. And the last guy I want to talk about, DJ Uyunglele, Oregon State. He had an official meeting with Florida State. Again, a perfect fit over there. That's a team who has been living and dying with the transfers these past couple of years. And um, that's basically it for the transfer portal for this week. Um, it's something we could check in on every week because it, it's nuts. It, it's They're not following any rules. It's basically mm -hmm. free agent. You got Boise's two best players hitting the portal and saying, if you don't get me a new car, a hundred grand, and... Um, whatever a brand new apartment we're out of here and that's what our quarterback did he went to arkansas and it's sad but that's just how it goes now man yeah it's uh it's chaotic where you don't have the you know like a contract in the way that you would have to stay with a school for three four years or something like that so you don't have that longevity i think it's interesting in the way how some schools, you know, get these five stars and then they just say, fuck them and get another guy in from the transfer portal. And then next thing you know, the five stars gone and mm -hmm. all that recruiting that you did two, three years ago is gone. All the NIL money that you spent is gone. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a very weird situation. I don't know how they ended up regulating it, uh, but I'm starting to see why college players weren't making money the same way that they were. No. Yes. A little while ago. All right. Well, um, we got our first week of bowl games here. So uh, I guess we'll we'll talk about a couple of them here. The New Mexico Bowl is actually going to be featuring New Mexico State. Uh, Ten and four. Pretty good season for them. They actually left um, independence for the CUSA. They got second behind Liberty. And they're going to play Fresno State, who's eight and four. Um, some NFL guys in there. Not yet, but younger guys. Uh, we got the L.A. Bowl here, UCLA against Boise State. Both teams will not have their starting quarterbacks in this one. They both hit the portal. So if you're a big fan of those, that's pretty much the only reason to watch them. And I am, so I'll be watching that game. Um, we got two six and 6-6 six teams here in the Independence Bowl. Cal and Texas Tech, both led by their running backs, Jaden Ott, Taj Brooks, guys who are going to the NFL. They would not be 6-6 six and six without them. So it's the battle for over 500, baby. And if I had to mention one more, I guess we have Miami of Ohio, who kind of comes out of nowhere to win their division, the MAC, this year at 11 and 2. And they're playing uh, an old favorite, App State. And that's, an whoa, the avocados from Mexico Bowl. 
did not <laughs> know that was happening, man. But uh, anyways, that's uh, a couple of the fun games. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but I, I recommend tuning in for a little bit because uh, it always gets a little crazy. So yeah. here we go, Kyle. Yeah, one more thing to talk about in the second half before we get to our layups and bold predictions and get on out of here. And I want to go over some of the moves that we saw in the MLB this past week. I know last time that we were recording, we got the Red Sox-Yankee trade with Alex Fardugo uh, for Richard Fitz, a.k.a. Dick Fitz, uh, Greg Weiser, and Nicholas Judas. Weiser's a decent reliever. Richard Fitz, I believe, is like the 13th or 14th ranked prospect in the Yankee system. So both teams acquire a decent amount of talent. Verdugo, I don't know exactly how he fits. I know the Yankees were looking for some left-handed hitting outfielders. That's exactly what they got there. But then you are curious about what's going to happen to Dominguez when he comes back. What happens to Everson Pereira, a guy that they've been high on for a long time. And... Yeah. Obviously, they got Soto as well, too. I'll talk about that in a second. Next up, though, December 6th, we had a couple, I'd say four pretty big moves on this day. First of which, the O's bolster their bullpen with adding Craig Kimbrell on a one-year $13 million deal. Mentioned this earlier in the show where Felix Batista is out for the season, most likely with Tommy John. They go ahead and likely get their closer unless they want to use Fuji or another guy in that, that ninth inning spot. Next up, the Diamondbacks add Eduardo Rodriguez on a four-year contract for around $80 million. I like it. Good deal for the, the Diamondbacks. Something that we talked about with them the entire year last year was trying to find a three-starter. I think they found that three-starter in Brandon Fat, but getting that fourth and fifth guy, oh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Rodriguez is probably better than Brandon Fat. But regardless, they found a fourth person to be into the rotation. With postseason experience. With postseason experience and a guy who, I guess, wasn't afraid to pitch on the West Coast. That's exactly <laughs> what his reasoning was uh, at the trade deadline. But he goes to the desert and signs with the Diamondbacks for around 80 mil over four years. Next up, we had the Yankees Juan Soto blockbuster trade. A lot of stuff going over to the Yankee or going over to the Padres, but the Yankees did also get Trent Grisham back in this deal. I don't know exactly how he plays into their team. Left-handed hitting outfielder, kind of too good to be your fourth outfielder, but he's also like doesn't really have a ton of value besides his fielding and his occasional pop. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, MVP but the Padres of the Rail Riders. Back- Michael King, who was really good in the bullpen and in the rotation last year, likely going to be a starter for them next year. Probably the most underrated part of that trade. Michael King is really damn good, and he was lights out in the second half of last year. So I look forward to him pitching well in San Diego. Next up is Drew Thorpe, one of the top prospects for the Yankees, was one of the best pitchers in the minor leagues last year. I believe he actually even got the award for the best pitcher in the minor leagues. I don't know who gave him that award, but I saw the Padres post something about that. Electric stuff, big guy, 23, 24 years old. I'd expect him to be up in the rotation probably mid next year. I don't think he gets the opening day nod, but he should be on the team at some point. Yanni Brito, who was a five-starter, six-starter type guy for the Yankees this entire last year, might just be thrown in the back of the bullpen or an occasional spot start. Randy Vasquez, I don't know too much about, uh, but I believe he's another pitcher who fits into the Padres' idea. And then the backup catcher, Kyle Higashioka, who's been with the Yankees for 15 years Goes to the Padres as well, too, but he is from the Southern California region of the country, so I guess he goes back home. Lastly, on December 6th, Gamer Candelario goes to the Cincinnati Reds, a move that kind of fell under the radar for a lot of people because there was that Juan Soto trade that day. Uh, Three-year, $45 million contract to Reds, according to ESPN, has already spent $87 million this winter, which is absolutely awesome to see. We see a low-market team finally spending money when they have the ability to and they're selling tickets. So good job to the Cincinnati Reds, Yammer Candelario. I hope that contract works out for both of them because he's a guy who's been wishy-washy his entire career, and he was really good last year. December 7th, small move, Jorge Lopez. And the Mets agreed on a one-year, $2 million contract. Jorge Lopez was really good with the Orioles a couple years ago after he 
converted to being a, a reliever after being a pretty shitty starter with the Orioles and the Royals or earlier in his career. Bounced around a few teams last year with the Twins and the Marlins. Finds a home in New York uh, for next season. We saw a trade on December 8th where Tyler O'Neill kind of takes Alex Verdugo's spot in a trade where the Red Sox get back Nick Robertson and right-handed starter Victor Santos. I don't know too much about those guys, uh, but Robertson's a reliever. Santos is a starter. O'Neill, guy who's had spurts, but really has been super consistent in his production, goes to Boston to maybe capture it all in a bottle. The next day is when we got the Shohei Otani deal for 10 years, $700 million. We already went all over all that stuff, so I'm not going to go too deep mm-hmm. into that. December 10th, we got Will Smith signing to the Kansas City Royals. This is a guy who's won three straight World Series titles. So congratulations to the Kansas City Royals in winning their banner in 2023. I imagine he likely, though, gets traded, much yeah. like Aroldis Chapman did this past year. And... uh I guess that team wins the World Series. But another move from the Kansas City Royals, and I'm absolutely so pumped that they did this, is that they spent a little bit of money in the rotation. They got Seth Lugo on a three-year, $45 million contract. Not a huge name, but $45 million from the Kansas City Royals. I was still shocked, yeah. I'm happy. I know they were in the market for Stroman, Giolito, and uh, Michael Waka, I think this is probably the third best guy out of those dudes. It's Stroman and Waka, I'd say, were a bit better. But Lugo's a solid guy to put in there. Uh, interesting fit, but good on the Royals to spend some money. And the last move that we got, I hinted at it a little bit earlier. That's Jung Hu Lee signed a six-year, $113 million contract with the San Francisco Giants. This was a guy, KBO MVP, formerly he's only 25 years old, was a guy who was primarily just a contact hitter. Uh, in the early part of his career, but two years ago, he had 25 home runs that kind of, you know, put him really on the radar mm-hmm. of this guy's not just going to come to the U S and sign for a contract. This guy's going to come to the U S and sign for big money. And we saw that here maybe could have been in the conversation to get a bit more money, but broke his ankle last season. So he only played 85 games. He goes to the giant scale though. Usually what we see from these you know, people coming from Korea or Japan is they go to the West coast before they go somewhere else. He lands in SF. They get their big time free agent, whatever you want to call it. I think it ends up being really well, though. I, I like Jung Huli a lot. And that's where we are yeah. on December 12th of 2023. We'll see what else has in store for us the rest of this free agency. But it's finally starting to heat up. And that is absolutely awesome to see because it's fun to talk about, Skyler. Yeah. Congrats to uh, San Francisco. They actually got a real person. Yeah. That's true. There we go. That Arson Judge or Shohei. Ooh, I saw Juan Soda. Yeah, but, I saw uh, that one. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I saw one for Shohei Otani. I don't know if there's something. I don't know. I can't. He's just bigger. I'm not than witty that. enough. Yeah. We'll move on to layups and bold predictions. Starting off, I'm six for six in the last for six weeks. So go ahead and listen to my my damn layups. I had. The Lions and the Bears going over 40 and a half. It hit. It hit, I think. I mean, oh, I know it did, but I don't know. I'm just on a roll right now with these over-unders, so I'll stick with one this week. I'll get to that in a second. Though. Skyler had Orlando mm-hmm. minus 10 versus Detroit. They won by 32, so that's not a problem there. Uh, this week, Thursday Night Football, I have the under 33 and a half in the Raider-Charger game. This is an Easton Stick game. An Aiden O'Connell game. If the Raiders give me 20 points, I don't think there's a chance the Chargers get 13 in this game. I think it's two. I, the Raiders defense is good. The Chargers defense is mid. But you don't have to be that damn good to yeah. really stop the Raiders. I think we likely see a game like 17 to 13 at the absolute highest. So give me the under in this game. Skyler, what do you got? for your layup and i see it contradicts what i got oh yeah (laughs) yeah i'm going with some nfl football here too the buffalo bills minus three and a half at home against the cowboys i get it the cowboys look really good they're hot the advanced stats love them too but dome teams cannot come into buffalo and win it just doesn't happen man so 
If Dallas wins this game, I will move them up to the one seed. I would be shocked. Last week, bull predictions. I had the Raiders money line versus Minnesota. It was a three point spread. Raiders covered and they didn't score a damn point. They lost three, nothing. One of the most aggravating games I've ever watched as a Raider fan in my life. Skyler had Denver money line at the chargers. I really like that pick as well too. the, Broncos notoriously own the Chargers. For some reason, Vegas doesn't really play that line. And uh, Skyler capitalized off of that. This week, though, I got Dallas over Buffalo. I'm sticking with Dak, the MVP. I think he gets a dub in Buffalo. So either one, my pick or Skyler pick is going to be wrong. Actually, they both could be wrong if Dallas loses by two, which would be terrible. But... (laughs) Skyler, your bold prediction. Well, I'm going with college football here for the last one. It's um, it's important to get the bowl games in, and even though the quarterback situation here is very unknown, another team with a lot of transfers already in the portal. I'm going with Cal to beat Texas Tech in the Independence Bowl. That game's in New Orleans. I really like Jaden Ott, the running back from Cal, 1,200 yards this year, and he single-handedly beat – let's see who it was. He had a streak here. Single-handedly, because of him, won at UCLA, at Stanford, and Washington State. So I think they can beat Texas Tech. Right. That's going to do it, though. For episode 170. Next week, we'll be back for 171. And, that and will you'll be, be one on. year older. That's true. Birthday tomorrow. We will also have a episode on the Christmas, not Eve. What's the opposite of Eve? Boxing day, day? after Christmas. Yeah, Boxing Day. It, yeah. Is, it is Boxing Day. So we have an episode on Boxing Day, which is pretty hype for all of our Canadian listeners. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 170. We'll see y'all next week. Skylar, do you have anything else to add? Anything else you want to say? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, actually something I just remembered. Some of the Washington, D.C. located teams, their new owner wants to move them to Virginia Beach. So I thought that was pretty cool because Virginia Beach is an option and all, you know, Madden 2K to relocate your team. And seems like, you know, they could capitalize off of that. Yeah, the Wizards and the Capitals are the two teams that are planning on moving there is what I saw. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. that's, That's all I got for you. 171 next week. Let's go Jets. Let's let's beat the Dolphins, man. Let's do it. Let's go Chargers. Give the Raiders another loss. Boost our pick. We're at a part point right now where, I mean, we want the Bears to win. We want the Commanders yeah. to win. Probably the best case scenario is we get the four pick. Worst case scenario, we get like the 11th pick or something like that. So we should be in a good spot. I just don't want to have to trade up to draft a QB. That's fair. That would be painful. That's fair. But we'll be taking the same right tackle either way. So it's all good, man. It's all good. I hope we don't t- fucking take a tackle, dude. Can you imagine if we just like left O'Connell and Jimmy? Jimmy is the future. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awkward. Yeah, but I'll all right. Feel for you. That's gonna do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, see you next, next week. Time.